how we summarize and um, and frame the the six days of creation as listed in in Genesis chapter one. It's actually really an interesting um, a feat here that we're t- we're talking about here as we talk about. Um, uh, this this the G- book of Genesis chapter one, especially chapter one is so beautifully weighed, laid down. It was so thought out. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous in this design. Um, so the literary design and th- this slide is actually in your note pa- on one of the note pages there. I think it's like the first page. I don't. Anyways, um, literary design uh, of 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 Genesis chapter 1. Um, the, the Genesis chapter 1 begins, Barashit bara Elohim et hashamayim va'et ha'eretz. In case you were wondering. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, in beginning, God created the the skies and the land. Remember, uh, a lot of our, our our Bibles directly we translate it as heaven and earth. That's the most literal translation. But that's when we because I like to change it to skies and land because it kind of fits more of what we're actually talking about in our modern cosmology, the way we think about things. Because we we did that whole discussion. I know, but let's refresh. If we say just heavens, a lot of times we think of like the star, the pearly gates, and the row on the clouds, and and that's not really what they're talking about here. That's part of what they're talking about—the heavenly throne room above. But there's the heavens are also the sky and the the rakia and the, the, that big dome that's over the that they were talking about, and the, and the so they're they're thinking about everything that's upwards and the. The when we say earth, we're not talking about the globe. We're talking about the land beneath your feet, where man can re- reside. That's land. God created a space free from chaos, the land. So I like to change it to to skies and land because it kind of uh, fits the the. But let's talk about the literary design. It's such be- so beautiful. How many words are there in that first? Right there, you can count them on this page right here. Count them right here on the slide with me. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Seven words. Not done on accident. Um, seven words there. Then it actually, it's, it's really quite interesting if you go to the next verse which is uh, chapter, uh, verse 2, it's actually 14 words. See, we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 words. 14 words there. Um, upon the face of, and that 14 words, uh, it's, uh, it's a three-line description of pre-creation state, so 2 times 7. Um, not also not done on accident. Um, um, and what follows after that is a six-day sequence, 
And God saw that all that he was made was good. And then on the seventh day, uh, which actually takes place in Genesis chapter... Um, yeah, so we have the seven words in one, and then 14 words in two, and then six days. And then the next one verse actually takes place in Genesis chapter 2 2. Um, Because the first literary unit actually goes from chapter 1, Genesis 1 1 to Genesis 2 3. Uh, our chapter break uh, in our English Bible kind of bulldozes over <laughs> the literary unit. It, it's it kind of just like, we don't care about the literary unit. This is where we're dividing it. Um, that doesn't always happen. In fact, most of the time it doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And uh, unfortunately, it's on page one of the Bible that it happens. Uh, but remember, the original Hebrew didn't have chapters and verses and vowels. Um, it, that was added much later because they would have just marked the unit by the first couple of words because it was memorized. It wasn't, it wasn't even written down till much later. It was memorized. So you would say something like, to refer to the section, well, Bereshit bara, and everyone would know you're talking about that first literary unit. Because that's the first few words. And it's because you've, you've all got it memorized, obviously. And so, um, so they wouldn't have that. It was later on when we stopped memorizing it, started writing things down, and we lacked, lost our knack for memorization, which... Uh, Plato said, Plato and Aristotle really hated writing because of that. They said, we'll lose our knack for, for thinking. Um, but after things were written down, we started, well, we need to put markers. Where are we? Where are you reading at? Because we don't have it memorized, so we've got to be able to find it. And so we, we started putting in chapter markers. And, and sometimes they do a fantastic job on that. The majority of the Bible, they do a great job at dividing it up. But sometimes, sometimes they miss something. <laughs> and page one, they happen to miss something. <laughs> uh, because he ends at day six, and then there's day seven. And yeah. Um, so when that happens, uh, you know, um, so... Uh, Genesis chapter 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array, and for some reason they divided it there, and I'm not an expert on that, so I don't know why. So uh, thus the, were finished the skies and the land and all their host, um, so, um, so yeah, so... Um, Um, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, they, they're very good at, at, um, at matching, uh, repeating words over and over and over to commit symmetry and structure. And um, so by repeating key lines from the opening sentence here, 
skies, land, they're signaling, okay, we're about to close. Uh, and then when as we get to Genesis chapter 2, 1, we're about to close, we're getting close here. Um, they do that by repeating. It's fascinating the way they do that. One thing, as you're reading your Bible, one thing we need to teach ourselves to do that we're not in the habit of doing, because we just read the words, right? Um, we need, the Bible is written with repetition in mind, so we need to teach ourselves to read and look at words, especially words that are repeated, themes that are repeated, ideas that are repeated, sentences that are repeated. Unfortunately, sometimes we miss some of them because our um, English translations might use one word in different places. Uh, and they, they, might, they might change the way we use a word. And they're not wrong when they translate it. Like, like, like say Elohim. We talked about the word Elohim, right? And it can mean God. It can mean gods. It can be a person who has died and gone on. It can mean uh, anything that's kind of a spiritual being is, is Elohim. And so we use the word Elohim, and they say, well, it's a spiritual being. And so the Bible plays on the word Elohim, like, okay, this is an Elohim. We haven't told you his name. It's not until Genesis chapter 2 that we find out his name. And this is something like, ooh, this is a special Elohim. This is unique. This is better than our other, the other Elohims. But uh, we miss some of that because we translate it like spirit or God or gods and and we're not wrong in doing that because we would be wrong not to in our English language, but we miss some of the original play on words and repetitions that are so uh, that make the Bible so amazing. Um, but even in the English, we can pay attention to repeating ideas and repeating themes. And so when you read the scriptures, you've got to make sure you pay attention to those things. If you see something repeating, there's usually something there. There's something they're wanting to, to get you to pay attention to. And so like when we see here in Genesis chapter 2, 1, they're saying, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. They're actually saying, and all of their host, um, where you're actually playing on the idea that comes from the first two lines of the scriptures, right? The, the, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, and then what happens next is all with all the, um, the repetition. So as you see in this chart here, the... Um, the cemetery, symmetry that goes on here with the skies, the land, the skies and the land. The, the, so he's, they're playing on the, the same ideas over and over again. Um, and so when we have in Genesis chapter, that's the slide I'm looking for right there. Um, Genesis chapter Two, two, and three. By the seventh day, God has finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all of His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because He rested from all work created, uh, cre all the work of creating He had done. Um, so He, um, some of your scriptures may say, sanctified it, uh, made it. That's what it means to make holy. 
is to sanctify, to set it apart. Uh, we're actually going to talk about why did God rest on the seventh day. We're going to talk about the seventh day, not in a, in a few weeks. Uh, well, we'll come back to that one. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, in, in, interesting enough, as we look at these, all, each of these sentences have how many words in them? Seven. Um, so we've got seven words here. We're emphasizing a an idea here as we we talk about the um, the resting on the seventh day, and he does that. He rests from all his work. Uh, um, And, and and as we we look at the um, the structure of this, um, he created here. He created here, where he it's sandwiched there, right? He rested from his creation. He, he created. He rested from creation. The passage is telling us what it's important, right? It's creation um, to make to create. Uh, it's 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 announcing what the whole chapter is about it's 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 god creating the skies the land and f- it's finished and uh and so they do this with a number of word plays there's seven words verse one 14 words verse two seven days of creation uh, and the conclusion is 21 words, three lines of seven. And so, uh, you know, uh, and then it, then it actually, after all that, you have this five little word conclusion because he rested from the work he did, which hyperlinks us back to the first line. Uh, it's, it's, as we read through it and the structure of it, it's meant to generate a whole bunch of rereadings. And I think we, I don't know about you guys, but as I, I've, I've been taught in school, you read a book, right? You finish it. You know, you might read it again, but you keep going, right? Um, the Bible's not really designed that way. It's designed for a bunch of rereadings. And, you know, we've been taught, well, you got to, you know, get, read the Bible through in a year, right? Uh, which is a noble goal. I, I mean, uh, you know, everyone should do it at least once in their life. But, but the Bible's designed to, to sit in camp at like passages like Genesis 1. You're just designed to just sit and what's the word the Bible uses? Meditate. To camp, just sit there. We might say camp, camp right there. You just say, well, I, you know, I'm just going to stay right here. And you know, we're kind of camping in this this Genesis chapter one. Uh, some of you guys said, you know, we're really going to do Genesis chapter one again. And I thought, well, you guys didn't know we'd be on in Genesis chapter one for uh, how many weeks are we on now? Uh, eight weeks now, I think eight weeks on Genesis chapter one, and we're we've got at least a few more. Um, um, yeah, because it's designed to sit in camp and to think about it and to 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 work it out and read it. It's uh, it's an amazing thing. Um, 
Um, yeah. Um, notice how the pre-creation state in Genesis 1-2 matches the seventh day. Um, the literary design is asking you to compare and contrast. So uh, Genesis 1-1 matches Genesis 2-1. They're both sim- uh, summaries. Um, Genesis 1-2 matches Genesis 2-2 and 3. Um, these lines are, 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 are set to, to match. They, they, they match up with one another. There's, there's that symmetry there. We'll come back to some of that A, B, B, A. I mean, you guys have paid attention to poetry before. You guys have ever read the schisms, A, B, B, A's, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, we're going to come back to all that. We're going to nerd out for a while. You're going to get to nerd out with me. Um, okay, so I'll be nerdy, and you guys can, you know, just be cool, just chill. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so, uh, as we look at this, it's to say, like, so we have, like, three lines and three lines on the, at the beginning and the end, and it's as if to say the breath of Elohim uh, the ruach, remember that word ruach, the spirit, breath, wind of God. The ruach becomes the vehicle for the divine word to enter through on the six days of creation and, and, uh, and, and create a day of uh, a way, a place where chaos doesn't exist, a space that chaos exists, but it's, it's outside of the boundaries. There's a place safe for mankind, for, for creation to exist. And, uh, and at the, the crowning moment that the names, uh, you know, uh, so, so yeah, so you get this, uh, and so you get this triple word uh, rep- repetition of seven, which we'll talk about seven in just a minute here, why it's, it's used to, to mean completion in this point. Uh, well, we can go ahead and go to that slide. Let's just go ahead and go there. I'll skip over to it. Uh, there it is. Um, all right, so go back to those he- Hebrew slides that I gave you, right? Uh, Shabbat is to rest. On the seventh day, he rested. Shabbat. Sheba, seven. Notice there's a slight difference in the word there. Sheba, he rested. Um, and then sh- uh, Sheba is full, complete, satisfied. A lot of times it's used for like you've had enough to eat that you're like able to just like, you know, like Thanksgiving meal. Uh, satisfied. The rest of the time you ain't satisfied. You're only getting enough to what you need, but it's Thanksgiving meal you are. Um, Shabbat. Sabah. And uh, in English, they seem like very different words. Um, but here they're playing off the words 
to, to form this idea that seven is complete. Uh, that's why we in, in numerology in the Bible often uses the word seven to rep- the number seven to represent a completeness, a 7D or seven times seven, you know, the idea that it's complete. And it comes from this play on words here that we see in the very first chapter of the Bible. Um, you know, that also goes along with the word to rest, which happens on the seventh day. See, seven is, is the day you rest. That There's a play on word going on there. Um, and so, uh, so we have this, this, this idea that uh, uh, to finish or... Um, To 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 um, that that this is complete, and it even and the Bible actually even further emphasizes it in uh, Genesis chapter uh, two verses one and two. Uh, kala, which is the word for it is finished, or it's, it's you know it, to be finished, that's repeated three times in there. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Now we don't really get that in English. We just kind of it's done, but it's like it's triply finished. Um, it's this idea that uh, you know, so it really wants it to sink in. It's done, um, and so we've got this idea there. So they're playing on this thing um, that that this is uh, um, introducing this this triple reposition of uh, the seven using the same letters. Uh, this wordplay. Um, Um, so, um, interesting enough, in the manna story, in Exodus 16, you guys know that story? Where God, uh, the Israelites just came out of Egypt, and they're hungry and thirsty, and they're in the wilderness, and say, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. You know, we were, we were way back there, we had it so good, right? You know, we sat by parts of meat and drank water to Shabbat, this, the Sabbath. The completeness, the fullness. We had water till we were completely satisfied. We're starving. We're drinking thirsty here in the desert. And God responds, okay, okay. I'm going to make it rain bread from heaven, the manna, on you six days a week. But on, the, but on Sheba, you go outside and you'll have provided for you exactly what you need for on, on the sixth day. So on the seventh day. Um, and so we get that wordplay of, of, of seventh and completeness again in, in Exodus chapter 16, the playing on it. It's a very fascinating wordplay. They do a lot in the, in the, in the scriptures. Uh, Sheba and Saba. Uh, now remember in the Hebrew, like, in the English they sound really different, but in the Hebrew they're, they're identical, especially if you don't have the vowels in there. Um, which the original scripture the original versions of the Bible don't have vowel systems that was something that got added on later on as they forgot to to realize how it was Um, so the whole story is is, uh, on that rifing on the themes here we see in this seventh day that uh, um, fullness of completion that God has provided rest for his creatures all right Follow with me, all right? You guys you tracking? You guys need to take a stretch? Uh, all right. Um, 
We'll keep going. All right. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 1. All right. I'm going to look at the very first word Barashit. Barashit. Now, bar, uh, barashit bara. So, ba, uh, the, 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 the letter there, um, let me make that bigger. All right, so we've, I've mentioned this once before, but this bet here, that is the, the word that means in. Um, that's, that's what we translate in. So, what we're really looking at here is the reshit. So that's the word there. Um, reshit. In reshit, God created the skies and the land. And it's, um, it's important to note that the word reshit here. Um, doesn't refer to a point of time, but a preliminary period of time. Um, when God began to create. It's not like on the year 700, you know, that's, that's not really how the Hebrews did things. It was just at that time period when God began to create. Uh, which is hard for our scientific... Um, you know, we need dates for everything, right? If we don't have a date, and then it didn't exist. and um, That's not really something that really happens. And I've actually uh, got some examples of that for here. Um, Job 8, 6, and 7. If you are pure and upright, uh, surely then uh, God... Um, will rouse himself for you and restore you to your rightful habitation, even though your reshit, which your beginnings, your, uh, was ins insignificant, you will in the end be very great. It's not saying, oh, and when you were born was very insignificant. It was saying your beginnings, like your period of life, your, that, that time before you started suffering was... Um, that time period. Um, or here's another example, Jeremiah 28, 1. In the fifth month of the same year, the fourth year, so in the same year in the Rashit of the reign of Zedekiah. So in that, we translate in the same year, in the, uh, in the early in the reign of Zedekiah. That's how I, we translated that, but it's, Rashit. It's uh, early in the reign of Zedekiah. In Rashit in the reign of Zedekiah, uh, king of Judah, the fourth year of the fifth month, Hananiah, son of Azur, the prophet, spoke. Uh, so it's, it's used as a, you know, back there, towards the beginning. Not the beginning of his career, but that time period. What was that? His. his uh, um, um, here's another passage in Jeremiah. Uh, early in the Rashit of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, uh, the king of Judah, the word came to Jeremiah saying, uh, so early, so we, we translate early in the reign, so in the Rashit, so, you know, 
early on, that time period. Um, and so that's why a lot of times we translate it uh, when God began to create the heavens, the earth, or land and skies. It's, it's, you know, when it happened. Uh, we can't confuse this to be a, a science book. It's just not. It's not a scientific book. They, that's not what their point was. Their point was to say, God created it, and look, he is so much greater than your God. <laughs> Using the same ideas that they were subconsciously and consciously as the other gods. The, the Egyptians that we talked about, the Babylonians they talked about. They are making a point here that they're more concerned with the metaphysics. How, why, uh, than, than the physics of it. Um, so that first one, one, that's a header that preps us for the rest of the passage. Um, so when be God began to create? Now I want to go back to Genesis chapter 1, and I want, okay, so we got better sheets. Uh, take my green. Better sheets, so that Rashid, so in beginning, so in uh, Rashid the head. Point to his head. That part. Uh, created. Now this word create is interesting. Bara. Only God creates in this manner. There's another word that's used to reference to us making stuff. and um, But only God creates in this way. And it seems to be that he creates uh, some people say it's referencing to the ex nihilo, the out of nothingness of it. Uh, some people just say it's just because he's the only one who can truly create. We have to take something and make, but only God can take something and truly create. Um, of course, as we look at the word bara, we have to remember, put ourselves in the mindset of an ancient Israelite. Um, Something isn't created till it's in its final form, till it's, till it's made. Okay, so like you have a lump of clay, right? We would say, well, there's something there. There's a lump of clay. They don't count that as a thing. It's not a thing until it becomes the pot or the... That's just the way they thought. It's not a thing until it's actually forged. Um, and so we have to remember that as we, th we think. So, in the beginning, God created God. So this word here is the word God. That, that's We translate God, Elohim. That's that spiritual being. We're not told the name of the spiritual being. It could be any of the spiritual beings. But he shows up way more special than like Marduk and Amon and, and Ra and doing all, all that we can compare himself compare to he's to other gods that were believed at the time. Well this this spiritual being, he's, he's something special. He's unique. Yes, son. Yep, that's a person. That's pointing to his head because it's referencing the head. Rosh. Uh, 
is the word for head. <laughs> um, all right, so then we get to this word. Well, let's skip this word right here. So we got the word the, this, the hay here. That's the word the, shemayim, uh, which is taken from the word mayim, the waters, it's the heavens. That's, that's what it's from. We, there's lots of people that make some references to that. I don't know if we'll get into that or not because... I'm not quite sure what I want to do with that. Uh, some people make a big deal out of that. Some people don't. Va'etz, um, ha'eretz. So we've got that the again. And then eretz is the word earth or land. Um, and so, um, so we have word one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. So right here in the middle, this word et. Now, this word et, now, some people will make a big deal out of this and some people won't. I actually have trouble not making a big deal out of this particular case of this word um, because it's in the middle of this well thought out the vert chapter uh, this the well thought out it doesn't seem like anything is by accident the way this whole section is put together so for i have trouble not making a big deal out of it now this word here at represents uh well first let's notice something um if you remember your Hebrew alphabet, I know some of you didn't pay attention. Uh, this is the first letter, Aleph. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zayin, Het, Tet, Yod, Kaf, Lamed, Mem, Nun, Samik, Ayin, Pesade, Kof, Shin, Shin, Tav. So we have the first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet there in this word. Uh, the word, uh, actually, we, we use the word uh, alpha uh, bet, alphabet, comes from our Hebrew, from our Hebrew learnings. Alphabet comes from the Hebrew, alpha bet. Um, and we use the acronyms A, B, C to represent that, right? Uh, alphabet, we, if we, we don't write out alphabet. How many, when's the last time you wrote out alphabet? You just write A, B, C, right? Um, in the Hebrew, Aleph Tav can do that. It can, it can be that. It's the first and last letters. Uh, and so they, together they spell the word et, uh, which we can't translate into English. Um, it's what we call the sign of the direct object. So basically, it's wi a way of linking the uh, the verb and the specific nouns in, in in the Hebrew. So, like in beginning, God created. Well, what did He create? What's well, being created? The direct object marker marks it as He created the heavens, and He created 
the earth. It's making a direct object. It's linking the verb to the objects being created. It's a direct object marker. And, uh, and the majority of times, 99% of the time you see this in the Hebrew, it's just that. It's just marking a verb. It's just a grammatical uh, word. Uh, marking the verbs, telling us what verbs are. We do it differently in Hebrew. Well, uh, in the English, a lot of times we use uh, the way we word something to tell you what verb it is. You know, uh, a lot of English is based off of word order. You have to put things in a proper order. Other languages don't do that. It's one of the things that drove me nuts about the biblical Greek because word order meant absolutely nothing. Um, and that drove me nuts because I'd be like, wait, this is, no, that's the direct, mar uh, direct object because it's got that ending on it. And that's all the way over here at the beginning of the word. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, so, the, you know, and so we use word order to make things. That they don't have to do that. The, the verb is linked by the uh, that direct marker, that direct object marker, but like I said, because of the the, the preciseness, and not everyone agrees with me on this, so I'm going to throw that out there. But because of the preciseness of the whole chapter, and a, and this first sentence, I think it's hard for us not to say that it means nothing other than direct object, because it's the middle word in a seven-word sen seven, uh, sentence that just screams. It's about God creating, and, and it uh, it's, comes in between the action of God creating the heavens and the earth, and um, a, a rabbi that, uh, um, that I read, uh, he said, that et is an untranslatable word used to indicate that the direct object is next. So uh, there needs to be an et before heavens and the earth. So the Hebrew text literally reads, in the beginning, God et the heavens and et the earth. Um, and et denotes the uh, reason for the house, blah, blah, blah. We just said that. Okay, but we could also say God did this before creating the heavens and the earth. As if to say the letters are considered to be the primordial building blocks of all creation. So in the beginning, God created et, the alphabet. Which is unique because we've asked that question before God can speak. There must be words to speak. God created the capacity for words and language and he spoke all of creation into being with the words which were formed with letters. Each aspect of creation was called into the being, being for the word from God. Uh, today we often speak of DNA being the language that runs through creation. 
but God gave us uh, acts. Uh, God gave us his word, which we know becomes flesh and dwelt among us. And that was Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 1.3. I did not make a slide of that one. Sorry. Hebrews 1.3. This sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Um, in Jewish thought, there are uh, four levels of creation in the Genesis account. Uh, inanimate material, rocks, minerals, water, so far. The vegetative matters, you know, grow, reproduce. Uh, animal life. Um, but the fourth layer is humanity, which can only uh, grow, reproduce, and move as they wish, but also use language, which in Jewish thought set them apart because we can use language. Only humanity, I quote, only humanity created in the image of God and with that the power to create, uh, of creative speech. Words can create, words give us power to change things, to communicate, to form uh, relationships, connections, and de develop our world in a way that the rest of creation is unable to. The gift also gives us the blessing of communication with God. We can read his word, we can hear him, we can speak with him in prayer. Language and letters are gifts that help us relate to our creator. Beautiful, isn't it? That's deep. Um, so it's the capacity to speak uh, interesting enough in Hebrew the word for inanimate material uh, means mute or silenced uh, which gives us the impression that the capacity to speak is there but it's repressed uh, Think about the triumphant entry when people jeer Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the Pharisees tell him, shut them up, right? And Jesus tells, says, if they keep sweat, the, cry, the stones will cry out. That's Luke uh, 19. And, uh, and but it's, it's playing off, Jesus is playing off, Luke you know, is playing off an idea here Found here in Genesis that the, the, the inanimate objects are silent. They're repressed because God has given us the, the, the gift of language that's, uh, that set us apart. Uh, in Isaiah 43, uh, 23, Sing for joy, your heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shouting aloud, you earth beneath, burst into songs, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. 
for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. It burst into song, mountains and forests and all your trees. Um, there's this idea that they have the ability, but it's been repressed because it's man's responsibility. We are be given the gift and responsibility to speak. Uh, which goes back to what we were talking about on Sunday. An idea that, you know, we could, um, but it's, it's, been, um, it's, it's been a blessing for, uh, uh, we could, but it's, it's um, um, But it's been something that that has, has that we could do something, but it's 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 uh, uh, God has given us that responsibility uh, to tell others about Christ. Um, so um, uh, and in the end, it says that all of creation is is is, is groaning. What's what the Bible tells us is groaning for redemption. Um, Waiting for the glorious day, so we could say that that uh, that God, in the beginning God created the alphabet. We could also say that God created et all that there is, because all things were spoken to existence. There's nothing that can be named without the words found in the alphabet. We could also say that God created at the beginning and end of time itself. Right there in et. Uh, and this also may be what John was thinking about when he says Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In Revelation 23. Um, uh, 23, uh, no, I'm sorry, 22, 13. There is no 23. Um, alpha and Omega, uh, Alpha and Omega are the beginning and end of the Greek alphabet. Um, so John may have actually been, we've seen that John riffs off Genesis chapter 1 a lot in his thinking when he says things like Jesus became the flesh and Jesus so in Revelation we why wouldn't he continue ripping off of the idea that um, that Jesus at so he may have been thinking about that as he wrote uh, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega uh, so uh, so interesting idea there. Um, all right, can I cover that in ten minutes? I don't want to. I don't want to rush it. I could do it, but I don't want to rush it. Yes, I'll deal with that later. Don't worry about that. I'll deal with it later, son. Don't worry about it. Anything else we want to talk about before we, we close up for the night? And I blow your minds. 
Uh, we'll pick up in Genesis 1-2. I want to go back to that idea of Tohu real quick. Um, and then we're going to talk about the six days and all the cool ways they, they, they match each other. It's so awesome. I tell you, I'm nerding out. Um, all right. Now, if you take your notes home, you can read through them. A lot of what we'll talk about is in there. I rearranged some of my notes to match theirs. Uh, not necessarily rearranged, but, you know, change the order of stuff and stuff. So, because um, I, like I said, I'm not, re- re- I'm no, no point in remaking the, remaking a wheel when it's already been done for you. <laughs> so, thanks, Bible Project. Uh, anything else we want to say? All right. If there's nothing else, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful gift that you have given us in Genesis chapter 1. We're so amazed by what you've done with it, just that you have chosen to bless someone to go through all this work and do all this uh, this uniqueness that we can understand what you are, that you are this unique God. You are so awesome, Lord, and we just praise you for that, Lord. We praise you for all that you've done for us and lifting us up and just bringing us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Son, can you go off air on this computer? So what's going on?